it's been way too long and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by Hey guys, welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. This is Justin over in LA. We've got Mike over in London. Hello, my friend. Yo, yo. Uh, someone mentioned to me recently, actually Wilder, who of course has been on a few epic episodes. Absolutely love that, man. Ah, uh, me too. How, uh, big shout out to Wilder. How just every time he listens, just got that same intro every time with me, <laughs> with me leaning in like that. And yet I just, I can't break it. I just have to do it every time now. I, I like it. Maybe one day I'll surprise everyone and shock shock all our listeners. <laughs> Anywho, we've got a great topic today, a, a lost topic that we were supposed to do a while back, did record with one of our favorite humans, and sadly, the audio was lost and we never were able to release it. And it just sort of happens that a movie came out in the past few weeks that sort of dug this topic back from the dead. And, and now we're, you and I are going to do it this week. And that's that's top five movies with bands or, or artists in it. So they don't have to be like real bands or artists in real life, but movies that are somewhat focused on being like about either a fictional or a real band or artist. Does that sort of sound like a good way to describe it, Mike. Yeah. Movies about musicians or, or being in a band. Yes. Yes. Something that's, like that. That's a great way to put it. That's a much better way to put it. Um, so anyways, the movies that we're going to do for our spotlight this week, which in- re-inspired us, I should say, is Studio 666, the Foo Fighters horror comedy B-movie extravaganza. And shit, man. I'm just going to tell you, Mike, it just wasn't good. Oh, no, no. I know. know. It really made me sad. I I could not be a bigger Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl fan. I love all the guys in the Foos. Like, I've seen them a ton of times live. So I I was very pumped up for this, coupled with the fact that, you know, we get a fun little horror movie out of it. We get all the boys in there. Plus Whitney Cummings and Will Forte and Jeff Garland. But uh, yeah, this one, it, it, it was truly that level of like bad for me where I wasn't necessarily loving it because it was like so bad it's good. It was just sort of not good. And and this pains me to say, by the way, I like saying this on a recorded episode about a band that I love is hard, but it just didn't quite do it for me. And it was, it was over the top, not in the right way, if that makes sense. Okay. But I will give some shreds of, of positivity, which is that Rami, the band's most recent permanent member, he plays the keyboards and whatnot. He's actually fucking hysterical on this. I gotta say, 
it sort of gave me some more insight to him because the other guys, Dave, Pat, Taylor, Nate, and Chris, I feel like I've been following these guys for so long at this point. I sort of know their personalities and I didn't a hundred percent know Rami's deal, Rami Jaffe. And he is probably the best part of the movie. If I'm going to be completely honest. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Aside from, of course, my man, Pat smear, who I always rep hard for, but yeah, again, seeing the foos on the big screen, this ridiculous little plot. Yeah, there there was a level of fun to it, but but I really think you got to be a pretty big Foo Fighters fan mm. to get any enjoyment. I mean, or a fan of the guys themselves or even just Dave Grohl, but it hurts me to say it. But yeah, I walked out and I said, OK, I don't know if that needed to be made. OK, yeah, well, we were speculating a bit because I actually wasn't able to see this. Uh, it came out in the UK and I swear to God, it came. It was like a Wednesday at 10. It was playing like one day. And I was moving and I was like, oh, it's the middle of the week. I'll catch it on Friday. And then it was just gone. It just disappeared from theaters, presumably because people didn't really like it. Um, So very disappointed that I wasn't able to see it. Um, You know, Foo Fighters is big here. They're big everywhere. I mean, they did a a massive Glasto show in what, 2017. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is going to be a big deal. And then it was, yeah, just gone. So I'm going to have to catch this at some point. I wish it was available streaming. And yeah, the the mystery continues, but it's disappointing that that you didn't like it. People don't like it. I think there's still a chance that I might like it. I might just be in that weird Venn diagram that that digs this, but we'll we'll have to see. I do agree, and that's why I was bummed that you weren't able to get to it. But it's like if if anyone knows you, which I think a lot of our regular listeners do, you are on top of going to the theater. So it's like for you not to be able to see it, I think this thing truly disappeared without a trace. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm okay. excited when you do end up seeing it. We'll have to rebring it up so that we can get your take. Because, yeah, I was thinking that I was like, I got to get Mike's take because maybe you'd enjoy it. But let's put it this way. It's a pretty it's pretty crazy that I didn't enjoy it. Like it's hard for me not to really enjoy anything with those guys involved. So yeah, we'll see. Anyways, I hate the shit on it. I think if you're into horror B movie type deal and you at the very least like Dave Grohl, if not the Foo Fighters in its totality, give it a shot. See if you think I'm wrong. I didn't dig it. So that's studio six, six, six. Um, all right, before we get into our topic, so the person that we had originally done this episode with is Zach Wexelman, the one and only, the man behind our theme song, goes by the name Real Topeka People. We talk about him quite a bit on here, and that's because he fucking rocks. And facts, just facts. This episode and us doing this which really was because it lined up with Studio 666, of course, and a little bit of John Locke Destiny, a little bit of serendipitous, you know, shit going on up there in the galaxy. Zach's new single, so Real Topeka People's new single, Tattoo of You, comes out just two days after this pod airs. So we're March 13th today, March 15th. Tattoo of You drops on all streaming platforms, and maybe I say this every time, but it's fucking true every time. Best song he's put out yet. It's truly a hit. And 
you got to check it out. Like, I, I cannot implore you more. Tattoo you, March 15th, Real Topeka People. Listen and you will not regret it. I mean, Zach's just absolutely killing it. I mean, it's like you said, every song is his best song and they're all, you know, doing so well on streaming. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's fucking great to see, man. It's so, so good to see. And I mean, it's only a matter of time. That's, that's what I've been saying. And, yeah, and the trajectory is real right now. So we love you, man. We're sad that this episode with you didn't ever air, but somehow it all worked out in a weird way. Maybe we can get him to comment on our Instagram of what his top five is. Oh, I would. That would be great because I remember hilariously my top five. So this in the slightest way changed from that because I looked back at it. Oh, mine's way different. Yeah, mine's different. Yours is totally different. I think it's three, three different picks. So mine, I and and I did not look at my list prior to making my new list, but I looked after. I think I could be wrong. I think I still have four of the five I chose back then. Maybe th- only three, but definitely at least three. Well, I don't remember any of what they were. So I think that's that's why we waited so long to re-record this. We just wanted to feel fresh, have our reactions, you know, be sort of genuine again, right? Exactly. Exactly. I, I couldn't tell you what you picked. I remember one of Zach's picks because I, to this day, have been meaning to watch it, and I haven't Ooh. yet. So... I, I will get him. We will get him to comment his top five on the on the comments. That's a great idea. So if you want to see his top five, check the comments. I, I remember he has some very interesting picks in there, stuff you might not have seen. So check it. Anyways, without further ado, should we hop into this thing? Let's fucking go. Who's first today? I think you you take it away. Get okay. us off into the promise. Cool. Land. cool, cool, cool. Let's do it. Uh, number five, new pick for me. This this for me is just an all time an all time classic, and is maybe I have to think I think the only pick that I have featuring a real band. Oh wow! That band is the Ramones, and the movie Whoa. is 1979's Rock and Roll High School. Whoa! I've actually never seen this, but meant to. Okay, I think you'll love it because it's really like for me it's like quintessential like teen like bordering on sex comedy. Um, you know, just before that 80s period, right? Yep. And yeah, it's got, so it mostly follows uh, these two girls, uh, one Riff Randall and the other Kate Rambo. Fantastic character names. Absolutely perfect. Amazing. Riff Randall's played by PJ Souls, who you know from like Halloween and Carrie probably. Um, and she's like an aspiring songwriter and she's obsessed with the Ramones. And this is all about how she like doesn't want to go to school and she instead wants to um, meet the Ramones that are coming to town uh, in a concert in like a few days. You know, hijinks ensue. Um, the Ramones play like, I don't know, it's like seven or eight songs in the movie. Like there's there's like a 20 minute spot where they're just playing Ramones songs, which is great. But then they also like have some hilarious like dialogue and banter. Like Joey is absolutely outrageous and it's crazy that they even like got them to do this and, and I guess it's a little bit, I mean, not before their time, but like maybe they weren't quite as famous, but, but somehow they got the Ramones to do all this wacky stuff in the movie. Um, and it's just beautiful that we were able to see it. And it all leads to this, this crazy like scene at the end. I'm not really giving much away, but 
where the Ramones come to the school and it's all this rock and roll, like, and they take over the school and it's just, just fantastic. It's just, uh, and the, the movie itself has so much more to offer that I'm not really giving here, but there's, there's this like really funny recurring joke about mice that, that probably won't make sense until you see it. There's all kinds of like sight gags. It's just like, I don't know, uproarious. Is that a word that you can say? It's just like one of those like great time, like high school movies. I mean, you know me, you know, I'm a sucker for a good high school movie. Give this one a try. This is, I'm. this is an all in for me. I, I can't wait for you to watch it. Yep. And I'm not even I, like a huge Ramones fan, but like it all just works in the movie, you know? Yes. And it's like, I just feel like it is. So it does seem in theory, like kind of off brand for like them to do something like this. So that makes it all the more intriguing to me. Uh, yeah. And I think, and they weren't even like the first choice. I think they wanted cheap trick to do it. And then somehow they got connected to it. And it's just, yeah, it's one of those things that I feel like you never, they definitely don't make them like this anymore. You know, it's just crazy to see the Ramones in this film. I can't wait to watch it. Great, great way to lead us off. Okay, well, my number five also deals with a group that is a group in real life, but they take on a fictional group in this film, and that is 2016's pop star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Oh, right, yeah. I forgot how much you like this movie. Oh, I love. I think it's one of the one of the lost gems of the 2010s. So the group in in question here is the Lonely Island. So that is, of course, comprised of Andy Samberg. Then there's Akiva Schaefer and Jorma. How do you say his name again? Jorma? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So anyways, they wrote and produced it and star in it. And then Akiva and Jorma directed it. So anyways, it's their whole brainchild. They are part of this group in the film called the Style Boys. And essentially, they were like this pop rap group and they get this crazy level of fame. One of the guys ends up leaving and Sandberg's character, Connor, ends up becoming a solo act called Connor for Real. And this movie starts as he's releasing his sophomore album, and from there on out is where sort of the mock it's it's a mockumentary. And so the mockumentary sort of starts right around there after giving us the background on everything. But this movie, like it, it truly has me in stitches from front to back. And it's got a great supporting cast in there. Sarah Silverman, Tim Meadows, Joan Cusack, of course, who we love talking about on the pod, Maya Rudolph. But it's just it kills me this movie like the soundtrack is so good like lonely island i think are awesome and i think the like the original like soundtrack they come up with for this is just so good i think the story itself is you know perfect mockumentary type deal and and just i don't know this this brand of humor just clicks with me you know this is um i i do need to rewatch this but it's funny because like this is what what year is this again 2016 yeah it's just a little bit before like netflix releases were like a, a global event you know mm-hmm. like it's it just kind of popped up and if you watched it you were like oh shit that was like really good um but it yeah it just didn't quite get uh no pun intended the pop that it would get if it was released today 
A hundred percent. And it's sort of like it, it it was a box office bomb, but it truly has become I don't want to go overboard and call it a cult classic, but it does have cult status at this point. It's like one of those movies that there's many very passionate fans like myself. And it even says that on its Wikipedia page, for instance, or like some think pieces on it about how it sort of gained a cult fan base. But I really do, Mike, I think you said it well. I think it came just before that time where movies would go. And I, I don't even like the idea that movies go straight to like a Netflix, but it's just the model that there is to these days for these type of films. And you're right that I think this is the type of film that would have benefited greatly from that type of model if it had come out just two or three years later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is uh, it's this is really funny. I totally endorse it. I think if you if you haven't seen it, uh, you just put this on anytime and you're, you're guaranteed to laugh. And also, how many how many of the under I forget your exact words, but sort of the underrated gems of the 2000s star Andy Samberg. Like I, four, I'm not kidding. Five. The two I think the two best comedy movies of the 2010s both star Andy Samberg. And if you're wondering what movie that is, it's it's that's my boy. That's yeah, my, another just crowd pleaser. Oh, okay, great pick, great pick. Absolutely Thank love you, that. Sir. Um, my number four is also comedy, so I like that. Yes. Re- returning from my original list, and I, I wasn't sure if this was gonna make it, and then I watched like two one minute clips. Uh, and it just absolutely had me in stitches, and I realized I, I had to bring it back. 2003's A Mighty Wind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is directed by Christopher Guest um, and and kind of has, you know, sort of the cast of characters you would expect, though incredibly deep. Catherine O'Hara, Parker Posey, Fred Willard, Jennifer Coolidge, John Michael Higgins, Jane Lynch, uh, Eugene Levy, of course, who co-wrote it. Um you know, just the whole gang. And God, this one is just super silly. So it's like a mockumentary about sort of this like legendary folk music producer dies. And then um, they're putting on like a memorial concert with three kind of famous acts um, that he worked with. And it shows them um, sort of getting back together and like kind of like mock interview style and then putting on the show. Um Everyone is just so good, specifically two of my favorites, Fred Willard, rest in peace, and Eugene Levy, who I think everybody on earth loves. Yeah. It's, they're, oh, and they're just yes. they're just dialing it up to like a 12. They're both so fucking outrageous. So so Fred Willard is like, I think he's like the manager of one of the acts. And he's his whole bit is that he has this like, like he used to be on a sitcom for like one season, like 20 years before like this movie is being made. And his like tag, he has all these like taglines, like "What happened?" And he has this like two minute like speech about how he just uses the taglines, and nobody has any idea what he's talking about, and it just kills me. And and Eugene <laughs> Levy is like, he used to be uh, in a relationship and a band with Catherine O'Hara, and he has this like he sort of had an emotional breakdown, and he's just so fucking ridiculous throughout the movie. Um, there's just so many great bit like there's two or three great bits all about model trains which will mean nothing until you actually see the movie um but it's just yeah it's just unbelievably silly and and i think um you know especially at a time like this if you are if you've never seen this or maybe you're a bit younger and you like schitt's creek which you obviously should 
Um, I mean, this is a quintessential Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara movie, and it's very cool to go back and watch it now. The fact that they have all these other films together, like for everyone that got into them with Schitt's Creek is just, just wonderful. Oh, just delightful. It really is. Wow. Yeah. What a great pick. I, and funny, like also on the mockumentary train, as you said. Yeah. And obviously, I think the big one sort of in the genre that people might think of originally is, is Spinal Tap. Um, and, you know, Christopher Guest being one of the creative voices behind that. And for me, this is the superior film. So if, if you like that, also check this out. Great shouts all around. Great number four. For my number four, it's time to talk about just, just one musician. Just going going solo act on this. Okay. And this is one that I think nobody will find surprising to be on my list. And that is 2002's Eight Mile. Cannot fault you there. So obviously, if you don't know what the film's about, it's loosely based on Eminem's life. Eminem plays B-Rabbit, the title character. We've got Makai Pfeiffer, of course, in there. Brittany Murphy, may she rest in peace. Kim Basinger. Anthony Mackie as Papa Doc. Wow. Michael Shannon. It's it's a great cast. But yeah, I mean, if you're first of all, if you're an Eminem fan, I mean, this movie's unbelievable, even if you're not an Eminem fan. And obviously, Mike and I are very big Eminem fans. But even if you are not, it is such an interesting insight into his upbringing. It's just a great movie. And the fact that Eminem, a guy who had never acted, could come in and turn out this, you know, give us this performance, which some people say, well, yeah, he was sort of, you know, acting his own life, either which way. The guy puts on a phenomenal performance. I mean, no musician that's never had any acting experience has any business being as good as he is in this. And it has to be included. It's I still watch the movie to this day. It's still great. You know, sometimes I could argue it could even be higher, but I feel like there's a couple movies that really knock this little niche topic we're dealing with out of the park. So I I'm saving a couple for higher. But man, eight miles about as good as you can get for my money. Uh, Yeah, agreed. Um, Obviously, like you said, we're both huge Eminem fans, but I, I think it just, you know, his his only. uh, I feel like we might have talked about this before, but but like this is basically the only thing he's ever been in. Um, and he's in every single minute of the film, right? Which like every single scene, which is really like just sort of weird to have in a movie. He just gives this crazy performance and owns it. And I think, you know, if, if you're not a fan, if, if somehow you didn't already like this movie, I think it deserves a lot of credit for being, um, a really insightful look at kind of, uh, I don't want to say anything about say like today, but like what has happened, um, and maybe is continuing to happen in cities like Detroit um, in America. You know, it's just a good look at the people, uh, regardless of sort of, of what they're what they're doing in life um, mm-hmm. of that city. It's very true. OK, eight mile. My number three, also solo act. Loving the parallels here. Wow. Um, very similar time movie as well. 2001. Um, and I'm I'm thinking you probably haven't seen this, but I believe I can hook you and most people if you haven't. And that is 2001's Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh, you know what? I haven't seen this. Okay. So um, this is 
based on a uh, stage play, uh, which was written by John Cameron Mitchell. Uh, he wrote this as well, and he plays the main character, Hedwig, um, who is a... Uh, this is his... I actually was going to say that Hedwig was a trans woman, but I was just reading today that apparently he considers her to be genderqueer, so I'm going with that. Okay. Um, and she is a singer from sort of East Berlin um, that is in the U.S. doing, I don't want to call it a tour exactly, but I mean, she's going around like essentially in like incredibly small like restaurant venues trying to make it um, as a musician. And there's an awful lot more that this offers um, besides that. It's, you know, it has that kind of Cold War sort of Berlin story in it. It has like all this romance element to it. Um, there's obviously like some gender issues in there and it's John Cameron Mitchell's first film that he directed. So it has like some really, you know, that kind of like fresh creativity that you only get from sort of debut or early films, I feel like, um, which is really cool to see. And, and he just absolutely kills it. I mean, he nails the performance. He sings a ton of songs that are great, totally like kind of like punk rock, glam rock sort of thing, um, which he's great at. And also like this, this real effortless humor. Um, there's just a lot, a lot to like in this movie. Oh, it is also referenced in sex education. I think in the first season. So there you go. There's the hook. There you go. That is a hook. I'm fucking in. But yeah, it's a great film. Very, it's a tight 92 minutes. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Okay. I'm, I've just added that as well to the list. I've got rock and roll high school and Hedwig and the angry inch on there. Also, John Cameron Mitchell, this, so this was his debut, but he later directed Rabbit Hole and How to Talk to Girls at Parties, two Nicole Kidman movies. Big shout out to Nicole Kidman. Wow. Love love our girl, Nicole, after our episode based on her, yeah. as well as you know her gracing our movie screens everywhere. With the, is, is that the same in the UK, Mike, where she does the intro at the AMC theaters? Uh, yeah, at the Odeon, she does. Yeah, oh. this is the magic of whatever something. Yep. Yeah, yep. Oh, gotta love it. Um, okay, great. Number three, I for number three, I'm gonna take us to the 90s. I know there's a lot of people out there that this could probably be their number one, but there's a lot of great movies with uh, with bands in them or surround you know, about bands. So it's gonna be number three for me. God damn, is this one good. And that's 1996's That Thing You Do. Oh, yeah. Nice. Nice. So the band in this, of course, is The the Wonders. If you don't have any idea what this is about, it takes place uh, back in the day in the 60s. This It's got a great cast. We've got, obviously, Tom Hanks is in there. Liv Tyler's in there. Steve Zahn. Charlize Theron. Tom Everett Scott. Ethan Embry. So anyway, essentially, it's like this band becomes I, I would sort of call it akin to like the Beatles. Would you would you sort of agree? Something like, like that. Yeah. And it's just the story from there on out. Pretty much Tom Hanks plays the manager and it's just one of the most fun movies of the 90s. It's pretty incredible because it's Tom Hanks's directorial debut. It's also written by him. The only way that the production companies would make the film as if he starred in it as well, which is why he took the role that he did. But it's just one of those movies that anyone of any age could like. It's like, I liked this when I was a kid. My dad loves this movie. 
you know, I'm sure back then my grandfather probably liked this movie. It's just it's a it's just a great classic type movie all around. And if you enjoy music at all, you will enjoy the film. That's that's what I will say about it. But I also think in a strange way, it's not all that much about music. Like, I I agree with what you're saying, but like, you know, they don't have a huge like falling out with a label sort of thing. They don't have like a, like too much like band drama related to music. It's more about like growing up, like it's sort of coming of age, but within a band, you know, that's true. That's true. It It's it's coming of age. Yes. Yes. It, the the band is more the backdrop, but yeah, it's just exactly. so like memorable because the hit the song that thing you do is so goddamn catchy it's facts yeah it is it's it's actually a problem but yes it's sort of a, a coming of age just a great sort of coming of age drama dramedy type deal told through the eyes or given the background of music agreed yep but also of course got to throw out small role in there for giovanni rabisi Oh, yeah, true. Forgot true. about that. It's absolutely stacked guest. It really is. But you got to see it. If if you're talking about this topic, you can't not talk about that thing you do. I, I love it. Yeah. Okay. My number two is a it's new entry to my list. And it's a film that I've, I don't know, I've kind of struggled with how I feel about it. And I, I think right now I love it. It is 2013's Inside Lewin Davis. What a fucking great movie. Um, yeah, so this is a, yeah, less upbeat than your choice for your last one, I should say, but, uh, it's, you know, it's a Coen brothers movie. It's with Oscar Isaac, uh, a bunch of other great people in there. Um, I mean, Justin Timberlake plays an extremely memorable role as does Adam driver. Um, Carrie Mulligan is like, I guess, sort of the closest thing we have to a female lead, uh, John Goodman in there for just like a minute as he can do. But yeah, it's all about this guy, Lewin Davis, who is um, not a he's not a real musician, but he's inspired by Dave Van Ronk. Um, and it's all about uh, kind of the folk scene in the early 60s. So before like folk revival, but say before Bob Dylan. And I don't know, man, the thing about this movie is like it just sticks with you for a long time and, and you kind of just keep thinking about it because for, okay, one, Oscar Isaac is fucking phenomenal, both as an actor and a musician in this movie. Um, but and he just he just plays such a rich character that's like not someone you really like, but you have this kind of strange um, attraction to um, and maybe identify with at times. But it's all like very depressing, and everything looks just super bleak. But but then it's able to kind of hit you with these laughs, but almost like out of desperation you know like it's not a great watch in terms of how it makes you feel but the character gives you a lot to think about um and if you really like music this as there's so many parallels to like folk music kind of about what he's doing in his life about how they're making the movie i think it's a really really smart construction um and it's just yeah it's just something that's stuck with me for a while every time i watch it i like it more and i think i, I think critics loved it audiences liked it um so there is a bit of a divide there but i would definitely revisit it um or check it out if you haven't seen it yeah man i absolutely love this movie actually my brother i have to give dylan major shout out because i feel like he 
he sort of turned me on to really liking this movie because I felt like I had sort of been watching it one night, like not fully engaged. And I'd been like, oh, yeah, like it was all right. It was all right. And then he was like, no, 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 dude, like this this movie is fucking good. And like, especially when you love music, like, of course, we all do. And I gave it another watch. And my God, it's like everything you said too, like Oscar Isaac between just musicianship and act, you know, his acting skill. God just fucking kills it. And the story itself is just great. Everyone that's part of the movie does a really good job. And it just has such a yeah romanticized vision to a degree of like a certain lifestyle as a as a songwriter that there's something beautiful about the movie. There's magic there. But but also tragic. It's, it's very it's, tragic. Yeah. I, when I say romanticized, no, no, I mean, like, right yeah, it's like that r- sort of romanticized like life of a singer songwriter, which obviously the in the scope of this film, it's tragic. But being able to enter into the world is sort of something special. No, and there's there's I mean, there's a lot to unpack that we obviously don't have time for. But there's there's a, a piece of his character that sort of romanticizes his own lifestyle even though it's like sort of killing him, you know, like, and it's like that aspect of his character. That's there's, there's a lot there to unpack and like decide how you think about it. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Inside Lewin Davis over to you. Number two. Okay. Speaking of, eh, I don't know if there's necessarily the same parallels, but another tragic film at number two, one that also deals with some singer songwritery things but in a different way and that is 2014's rudderless oh right yeah talking about movies that i love in the past decade or so this one's got to be up there a gem underseen gem directed the directorial debut by the way of william h macy stars billy crudup anton yelchin rest in peace felicity huffman lawrence fishburne and Selena Gomez. But yeah, so this movie's really beautifully tragic. Tragic, but also there are beautiful songs involved, I should say. Pretty much the plot of the film, which I don't want to ruin things because there's like a couple twists throughout the movie, but um, it is about this father, Sam, whose son, unfortunately, dies in a school shooting in like the opening of the film. And so Sam ends up, you know, becoming this. He used to be this like crazy high level businessman. He becomes a recluse, starts living on a boat and his ex-wife ends up bringing him a box like sometime later uh, with some of his son Josh's stuff, which included are some of the songs that he recorded uh, while he was in college because he was a he he was a musician. So Sam ends up sort of getting really deep into the songs. They're really good. And he eventually performs one at this open mic night at this local bar that's that's run by William H. Macy. And Anton Yelchin character, Quent, his, his name's Quentin. He's an aspiring musician. He sees him at the open mic. He wants to start a band with him. After much reluctance, Sam says, okay. And... They start playing these songs together, but they're not really Sam's songs. And so this all 
builds into a plot that starts to unravel over the course of the film. But the songs are just absolutely incredible. I think the, the story's very moving, as are the songs. And it's one of the few movies ever where I have bought the soundtrack and I still listen to it this day, eight years later now, eight years since it's come out. It's it's really had an impact on me. And I think Billy Crudup is just sensational. I think the guy is, as we know, one of the kings of this little subgenre that we're talking about. No spoilers, but I have a feeling he's going to show up a little bit later in this episode. He might. He might. Yeah. And I, I mean, this is one that you'd convinced me to see. Um, I was worried about the twist, feeling a bit bit gimmicky but it, it doesn't um and I, I did come away really liking it the only thing i'll add is i fucking love Lawrence fishburne in this movie i know you mentioned he was in it but he's the best he's so good he's just like yeah he's playing sort of that like wise i don't even want to say that because that's like a, a sort of racist trope but like he's just someone that's in a different position in life um that billy crudup can kind of lean on a bit um, that that understands what he's doing sort of musically and kind of as a father um, mm-hmm. and really as a man. Um, and I think that that he, he plays a great character, really. Oh, they just have some great talks in the movie, too. Oh, they really do. They really oh, do. Such a good movie. A talk. I know. If you've never seen this, really highly recommend it. It's pretty easy to find some, you know, somewhere in the streaming world. And it's a real treat. It's a real treat. Not too long either. It's about 100 minutes, so won't take up too much of your time. All right, here we go. Number one. Let's do it. It was my number one when we originally did this episode. It wow. stays number one today. Wow. I went Coen Brothers number two. I'm going Coen Brothers number one. Whoa. 2000s, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Wow. Yep. It was. This was. This is something I remember from the OG list. Yep, yep. Also, my third movie with folk music. That was not really intentional, but I'm just re- realizing it right now. But You're I mean, folk schwarting so hard. I right really now. am. I really <laughs> am. Uh, and this, man, this is far and away my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Uh, I think like almost everything about this is sensational, and it should be taught in all film classes. It's about three dudes that, that kind of escape from prison. They go on the run. That's George Clooney, John Turturro, and Tim Blake Nelson. Um, and they end up kind of recording a song along the way. And it's it's all kind of about their journey home as their kind of fame arises sort of in the background because the song takes off. Um, and it is, uh, you know, it claims that it's it's a retelling of the Odyssey. The Coen brothers have said that it's also just kind of the Wizard of Oz, though I think they say like all of their movies are sort of the Wizard of Oz. Anyway, it's, it's, it's all about that kind of journey home. Um, it's just... Oh man, this movie, I mean, the, the, the writing is incredible. It's, it's really, really funny. Um, it has this kind of like f- fantastic, like sort of magical realism to it that really, I think, just kind of puts a smile on my face throughout the whole movie. Um, there's, there's so many awesome scenes that we could talk about, but like there's their reimagining of kind of the, the sirens myth from the Odyssey is like something that always like, I, I think about like probably weekly. Mm-hmm. I love the way they set it up where they kind of tell you like, you know, it's not going to work out exactly as you think. I love movies that kind of work towards like an inevitable conclusion like that. The soundtrack is great. It's it's all about kind of the South and politics and, and religion and racism um, and, and, and kind of all this period folk music put throughout. And then 
the cherry on the cake, as we've talked about a few times in the pod. I mean, Roger Deakins is just the fucking shit. And this movie looks incredible. Like they put this kind of color corrected sepia tone over everything. And it just looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, and I could just, yeah, I could put this movie on anytime. I love everything about it. Absolutely. Go see this. Oh, you couldn't have said it better. Go see it. Oh, brother, where art thou? You got to do it. I'm just going to keep the train rolling, baby. Let's do it. Number one. You just you just dropped a Titan, and I'm going to drop the other one. You already knew it was coming. Same year. Mm. Titans of that year, let me say. Wow, 2000. Almost famous, baby. Almost had famous. To had to be. It had to be. It just can't be beat for me. It's too good. Written and directed by my man Cameron Crowe. Billy Crudup's role of a lifetime. I mean, and, and the guy's got some great roles now. I actually feel like later in his career, he's finally getting his due with the morning show and just crushing it on that. But man, if, if there was ever, he was just meant to play the role in this film. But Billy Crudup, Francis McDormand, Kate Hudson, Jason Lee, Philip Seymour Hoffman, may he rest in peace. And the list goes on and on. We've got Anna Paquin in there. And of course, I mean, I have to say, Patrick, how do we say it? Fugit? But he plays the kid in it. So this movie's unbelievable. It's, you know, takes place, starts in 1969, goes throughout the 70s a bit, follows this fictional band, Stillwater, who is pretty much so, I guess what Cameron Crowe said was that he essentially put together like five bands um, because he was Cameron Crowe used to be a journalist for Rolling Stone. Right. Yeah. So he just put together these five bands, Allman Brothers Band, Led Zeppelin, Eagles, Leonard Skinner and Poco. And he sort of like did a little bit of a, a combination of all five of those to create in his head what still Stillwater is in the film. But it's just it, this movie's unbelievable. It's like there's so much about it. I mean, it's, it's ultimately this massive coming of age tale, but it is one of the epics, I'd say, of of our generation. I mean, it spawned the famous the famous rooftop scene, which, of course, Vinny Chase takes on an entourage in the One Day in the Valley episode. He's having his almost famous moment. But yeah, I mean, this this movie just it touches a part of the history of rock and roll and of a certain slice of life in, you know, that period of time. And it just really captures it in a way that will be immortalized forever on the screen. I think a lot of people that grew up when we did and saw this movie, there's a lot of people that consider this like one of their favorite movies ever. And I think it's for good reason it's it's an absolute classic. It's just so 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 good. Completely agree. Um, Kate Hudson is, is absolutely amazing in it. Uh, I think it's probably my favorite role of hers, even though it's like super super early. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it spawned the the amazing, almost famous moment in Entourage, but it also spawned real Topeka people. Wow. Come on. What else? What Did you else just do that? Did you just do that? What else is there? You just brought it all full circle. Full circle, baby. Oh my god. 
Unfucking real. I mean, what Mike's really saying is go listen to Tattoo of You out in two days on March 15th. But literally, the movie has left such an impression on Zach that his name is literally taken after the movie. Come on. Come on. This is unreal. Unreal. I, I think we need to recap our list after that because you just blew my mind. Let's, let's just let's do it. Okay. Okay. So my number five is Rock and Roll High School. My number four is A Mighty Wind. My number three is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. My number two is Inside Lewin Davis. My number one is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And my number five is Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. My number four is Eight Mile. My number three is That Thing You Do. My number two is Rudderless, and my number one is Almost Famous. Honorables? Honorables. I, I'm going to throw one out right away that just missed my list that I believe was on my original list, but I absolutely love it, and that is Sing Street. Have you ever seen this film, Mike? I, I finished it about an hour ago. You're kidding me. I had to go in and watch it. I knew you loved it, and this was the time. Wow. Wow. And I, well, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyable film, yeah? Agreed. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and John Carney sort of got a lock on those types of movies, right? He really does. And I, you know, always support Irish film. So, fuck yeah. Oh, that makes me very happy to hear. I mean, I love Sing Street. Ireland, 80s music, coming of age story, heavy Cure vibes. I love the Cure. So, yes. And again, yeah, John Carney, who's done once, Begin Again, and now, you know, although I can't believe it's six years ago now, this movie, but Sing Street. So, yeah, Sing Street, I got to shout out. I got to throw out two Jack Black movies, Saving Silverman and Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. Well, and you have to add School of Rock because if Zach was True. here, he would talk about it. He 100% great, great thing. to and an, and an amazing movie. I should have included it anyway. Throw some out at us. Boy, you covered a bunch of mine, actually, which is good. But... Uh, I think one that was on my list last time was Green Book. Oh yes, uh, I liked I liked that movie a lot. I, I think Vigo. I mean, Mahershala's performance is great, but I think Vigo's performance is that is really really incredible. Mm-hmm. Walk Hard. Oh yes. In terms of parody, uh, <laughs> I did watch Walk the Line recently, and I was like, you just you can't do it anymore. This movie is <laughs> completely ruined for me. Literally, is ruined from that movie. Totally ruined. Um, Nashville, Robert Altman film, um, I think is really, really good. I've, I've picked it on some other list. And I think the last one I'll throw out, a super crazy one. I, I won't even really explain it, but it's called Stunt Rock. Stunt Rock? Yeah. it's it's uh, Okay. It's a combination of like sort of mockumentary and like concert footage. But the mockumentary part is about like stuntman like it's 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 hard to explain it's just fantastic you should check it out i've now written it down it's like barely a film it's it's yeah anyway i think that's the perfect place to leave us off (laughs) go see stunt rock see stunt rock however you can however you possibly can you are making a mistake if you have not seen this movie that i have not seen yet but i'm going to it's a brian trenchard smith movie quentin tarantino's a big fan of that guy I've got that for you. If Quentin endorses it, you should see it. Go see it. Go see it. Um, well, I'm glad we got to finally do this. It's totally, total surprise. I'd forgotten everything you picked. Really felt like a fresh app. Glad we did it. One more time. Can you plug Real Topeka People? 
I absolutely can. And I'm, I want to finish the episode with it. So I'm just going to say, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at Top Fives and Deep Dives, Twitter at Top Dives. You can get to our link tree from either of those platforms, which has our Patreon page, anywhere to listen to us, all the good stuff. One more time. Give it up for real Topeka people. Tattoo of You comes out on March 15th. It is epic. You gotta go check it out. And if you want a little taste of what you're gonna get, just listen to the man take you out of the episode right now. We'll see you next week. We love you, Zach. Peace out, everyone. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin. Just delightful.